Welcome to the Asbury Free Methodist Broadcast, where today we will be listening to this week's sermon by Pastor Brent Russell. If you have your Bibles and you want to follow along, it'll be on the screen, but we're going to be looking at a number of parts of Romans today. Um, I'm back from vacation, uh, and I'm here for three weeks, uh, and uh, then uh, we're I'm going on vacation again, a couple of weeks, uh, first last week in July, first week of August, back uh, for three weeks after that, and then it's Labor Day, and so I'm, summer has just begun, and it feels like fall is approaching. So given my summer is broken up, I, I, and uh, I thought I would preach a number, a series of individual sermons that I hope will be helpful. Um, and I thought of calling this series Helpful Hints for the Christian Life, which seemed a little bland, so... Uh, so the summer's uh, sermons are going to be called Life Hacks for the Christian Life. You know, the, there you go. Um, this morning, I want to talk about your sacred body. Your sacred body. As I mentioned, I was on vacation last week, and uh, what I did with my vacation was I was up at our cottage, and I was uh, installing a new step, which meant I had to sledgehammer the old cement step and break it into pieces and carry it away, and I was lifting patio stones, and I was uh, building the new step, getting up and down, and I'm not a teenager anymore. <laughs> Man, I used to, you know, I wouldn't climb fences, I'd vault fences. You know, I used to throw hay and, you know, you'd work all day and it wouldn't affect me. I was working and I was just dying in the evening. I'm thinking, oh man, I remember the days, right? It seems like many of us are, are at war with our bodies. We, we see them as an impediment to what we want to do. Um, or we judge our bodies on the basis of appearance. Um, or we judge it on the basis of size or strength or ability. We tend to focus on the gorgeous, or on the overweight, or on the muscular, or on the skilled. Uh, many of us spend our lives feeling bad about our bodies. Um, they're too short, too fat, too thin, misshapen, wrinkled. Many of us spend a great deal of money trying to get our bodies to look better, to perform better. But here's the story we tell ourselves about our bodies. We think our bodies have very little to do with our spiritual lives, um, except to hinder us in our spiritual formation. That's the lie we believe. We, we tell ourselves that our bodies, well, they have nothing to do with our spiritual life. Truth is, we have sacred bodies. Your body is sacred. Everything we do in our spiritual life, like prayer, or like service, or study, or loving others, or worship involves the body. Too often we've missed the significance of the role of our body in our spiritual formation and our spiritual lives, and much to our impoverishment. How about you? Do you ever bought into the narrative that disconnects your soul from your body, or your body gets in the way of your spiritual life? No, I have. Even when I know I've known better, I have. But here's the truth. Your body is sacred. Your body that's aging, that's feeling the creaks and groans of your age, it's sacred. 
your body that is not functioning the way that you might hope it would, it's still sacred. There, there are a lot of us who, who tend to think that, well, our souls, our spirit, that's important. Our bodies are you know, kind of irrelevant or worse, evil. But your body is where you are located. If I want to interact with you, even over Zoom, I need to interact with your body. Our bodies are part of what it means to be human. And your body is amazing. It knows how to breathe, how to see, how to eat, how to digest, how to feel. It can learn to kick a ball, ride a bicycle. The mechanics of our bodies are something that we're still discovering, and they're amazing. Your body also comes with many urges. Um, when it needs food, you feel hungry. When you need water, you feel thirsty. Uh, there are sexual urges, but when those urges, those urges, they can become obsessive. And when that happens, the body overrides the will, and things get malformed. In fact, sometimes our bodies feel a compulsion to act in ways that are contrary to what our soul wants, what our mind wants. Look at what the Apostle Paul says. Romans chapter 6, verse 12. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body. What's your mortal body? That's the stuff you can feel, right? Don't let sin reign there so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself, your body, to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourself to God as, as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of, uh, to, of yourself to him as instruments of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under law, but under grace. Where can sin reign? Where do evil desires come from? One place is our mortal bodies. Don't let your bodies be an instrument of sin. Let them be an instrument of righteousness. We'll come back to that. Let me read a little, a little bit uh, of what was read to you before. Romans chapter 7, verse 15. I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. But the fact is, it is no longer I that do it, but sin that dwells within me. I know that nothing good dwells within me, but that is in my flesh. I, 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 I can will what is right, but I cannot do it, for I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I, I do not want to do is what I do. Now, if I do what I do not want, it's no longer I that do it, but the sin dwells in me. Your body's sacred, but there's a sin factor there. That sin's not you, is what it's saying. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do what is good, evil lies close at hand, for I delight in the law of God and my inmost self, but I see the members of another law at war within the law of my mind, making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members, in my body. Wretched man that I am, who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Who will rescue me from this body of death? It's it's not that our bodies are bad, but sin has come to dwell in our bodies. 
The person addicted to food or sex may try to blame their body, but their bodies aren't to blame. It's a sin in their bodies. That's why Paul says, present the members of your body to Christ. Sin doesn't have to have dominion over you because you're not under the law, you're under grace. Jesus has taken the guilt of our sin, and he has broken the power of our sin, and the power of the cross broke the power of sin. But look what it says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. He himself bore our sin in his body on the cross. Where did the sin reside? In his body. So that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you've been healed. The sin located in our bodies was Christ bore in his body. So on the cross, he took our sin upon himself. This morning we're going to celebrate communion. You'll notice that the communion elements are very body-centric. The, body, uh, the bread represents his body. This is my body which is broken for you. The cup represents his blood. This is my blood that was shed for you. He took our sins upon himself. So when you became a Christian, when you said, Jesus, come into my life, forgive me of my sins, I, I, I want to follow you, I believe you died for me, when you put your faith in Jesus, here's part of what happened. So in your spirit, your spirit is the essential you, in a sense. It was separated from God. The Bible said we were dead in our transgressions and sin. Our spirit was dead. It was disconnected from God. But when you gave your life and you put your faith in Jesus, it says he made us alive in Christ. So you're made alive. You're connected to God. Holy Spirit is put inside your spirit, and, uh, and you're made alive. So your spirit comes alive. Your soul. Your soul, best definition is, of your mind, your will, your emotions. When you became a Christian, your soul hopefully got reoriented. So instead of pursuing what the world tells you important or what you've learned to be important, you start to pursue who Jesus is and what he said. And you reorient your will and you make the choices that Jesus would have you make. And you reorient your mind and you, you think about... Uh, uh, things above, not on things below. You reorient your, your emotions, and they, 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 they follow after you. And, and so there's this reorientation that takes place. Now, all of a sudden, no, of course not, right? That's a lifetime process. Your soul is, is, is being made in the image of God. Um, but then, after that comes your body. Uh, Sin that was resident there is forgiven. God's broken its power. You have a role to play in that, of course. You, uh, you don't present your members of your body to, to sin. You present it to righteousness. In other words, you, you can live to please uh, the law of sin that attracts you to do things that will warp you. Or you can live to please the Lord who dwells in you. There's this war going on, and, and some of you felt that war keenly. Some of you felt it this week. So that's why Paul says in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies. He doesn't say offer your souls, offer your spirit. Offer your bodies 
is living sacrifice. It's holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's part of your soul. Then you will be able to test and prove what God's will is, his good, perfect, and pleasing will. Your soul is transformed, and it's an ongoing transformation. It's rewired as your mind is renewed. But look at what we're to do with our bodies. We're to offer our bodies as living sacrifices. What does that look like? Let's go back to Romans chapter 6, verse 12. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your, your mortal body so that you will obey its evil desires. Do not offer parts of your body to sin as instruments of, of wickedness. Rather, offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be master over you because you are not under the law but under grace. Do not let sin reign in your mortal body. Paul says you have a choice. You can offer the parts of your body as instruments to sin or as instruments to righteousness. That word instruments, maybe a better translation in our context would be tools. Um, your body can be a tool for sin or a tool for righteousness. Your eyes, your ears, your mouth, your feet, your hands can be inst instruments of sin or instruments of righteousness. So to use the imagery of Romans chapter 12, you have a choice of what altar you're going to place those parts of your body on. The altar of sin or the altar of righteousness. The reason why I'm emphasizing this is that for many of us, um, the state of our spiritual life has been about the state of our hearts. We want our hearts pure, we want our hearts clean, and that's all good, nothing wrong with that. Um, Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. But when you emphasize the state of your heart and exclude your body from the equation, you get this ethereal spirituality, a disembodied spirituality, it's not quite Christian. See, your body is intimately connected with your spiritual life. And if you forget that, then you miss a lot of how God has formed you and how he wants to reform you into his image. Your body can become an enemy or an ally in your spiritual transformation. When used well and, and cared for, it can connect to your deepest longing of your soul. But for that to happen, we need to offer them to God. I've noticed that most of our conversations about our body, mine included, um, often make our bodies out to be our enemies. Whether it's the size of our bodies or the wrinkles we, we see in the mirror, or that the awareness that our bodies don't function the way they used to. We talk our, about our bodies as, as the enemy. And should you get sick, it feels like your body is betraying you. I wonder if we should change the script in our mind on this. The original design for your body was that, well, it would help you connect to God 
Bible talks about Adam walking with God in the cool of the day. I find it interesting that the Bible says our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Our bodies. Now, most of the spiritual formation practices, from prayer to solitude to fasting to scripture, involve our bodies. Now, I was reading J.I. Packer, wonderful Anglican theologian, uh, said that as far as he could discover, everyone who, before the 18th century, when they prayed, they prayed it out loud. Um, and then slowly prayers started to change from out loud to we prayed in our mind. Does God hear silent prayers? Of course he does. He's God. He knows what we're thinking. He hears our prayers. He, of course he can hear silent prayers. But I can't help think that we've lost something as we, when we uninvolved our bodies. used to be that the common posture for prayer was kneeling, right? You remember that? Many of you were kids when you were taught to pray, you, you were taught to kneel beside your bed. Or close your eyes, or maybe bow your head. The Bible has all kinds of postures. It's, you know, lifting our hands, sometimes prostrate, lying flat on, on the, the floor, um, lifting our voices and offering to God. You see this very, the bodies were very much involved in our spiritual lives. And now, well, when we pray, we pray silently. When we read scripture, we read silently. And our spirituality has this way of becoming disembodied. And I think that that does something to our spiritual lives. It has a way of making them less tangible, if you would. When you disconnect the body from the spiritual life, it loses something. So, what do we do? Well, the Bible says the whole earth is filled with the glory of the Lord. That means that God is reaching out to you with the songs of the birds, with the rustle of the leaves, with the reflection of the light on the water, with the crackle of the fire, with the sunsets and the sunrises. But you only hear him there if your embodied presence there is there to, to listen, to hear, to be. God wants to communicate with our bodies. If you're feeling disconnected with God, take a walk by a river, or sit under a tree, or take a hike. I always wanted to tell you guys to take a hike. Um, <laughs> but just be aware that, that God's with you and that he's revealing himself to you through your senses. Here's, here's an assignment for you this week. Put your body in a posture 
or in a place or position that helps either express your heart to God or where you can hear from God. You might choose to kneel as you pray or pray out loud if nobody's around. You might choose to go for a walk or sit in the garden or sit by a par- on a park bench. Some of you, if you do that, you're going to find yourself a little restless. Ask yourself, okay, well, what does that say about my spiritual life? Because sometimes God's going to communicate to you about your spiritual life through what's going on in your body. This morning, we're going to take part in communion. It fascinates me. Jesus could have said, you know, when you gather together, remember that my body was broken for you, that I died for you. Remember that my blood was shed for you for the forgiveness of sins and that you, can, you and I could have a new relationship together. It's not what he did, though, right? He did say to remember, but how did he say to remember? Luke chapter 22. When the hour came, Jesus and the apostles reclined at the table. He said to them, I've, I've eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer, for I tell you I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this, divide it among yourselves. For I tell you, I'll not drink it again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Then he took the bread and he gave thanks and he broke it and he gave it to them. This is my body given for you. Do this and remember it to me. So they ate the bread. Same way after supper, he took the cup saying this, This cup is the new covenant in my blood which is poured out for you. Eat the bread, drink the cup. He connects the physical to the spiritual. Why? Because we're all one being. Your spiritual life was never meant to be contained just in your soul or your spirit. It was meant to be all of who you are. One life hack for the Christian life. Don't let your faith become disembodied. Connect with God through the use of your body through postures, through places that allow you to listen for God, through the ways that allow you to to drink in what God wants to say to you. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your scripture that gives us a lot to think about. And I know, Lord, over the last lot of years, we've slowly drifted away from a spiritual life that has much to do with the body. Lord, forgive us for that. Help us, forgive us for the buying into the lie that our bodies are unimportant to our spiritual life. And I ask, Lord, that we would treat our bodies as sacred because that's one of the ways you want to connect us to connect to you and you to connect us. Pray that you'd help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us this week on Asbury Free Methodist Broadcast. Make sure to visit our website at asburyfmperth.com where you can subscribe and never miss a show. If you'd like this broadcast, you might want to check out our Facebook page. 
Asbury Free Methodist Church. Until next week, take care and God bless.